0: This is uh This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben off the cheek
1: and you're listening to The London, the London, London Is Blue podcast.
2: podcast. Hello and welcome back to London Is Blue. After gorging ourselves on the feast of international women's football that was Euro 2022, we have had to content ourselves with watching men's football over this past week. But at least our Chelsea boys got themselves off to a winning start. And even if some of the women's players have been jet-setting off on lovely holidays, I am looking at you, Magda and Pernilla. There are still plenty of goings-on on the women's side of Cobham, which we are here to keep you updated with. I'm Jessica Humphries in the hosting chair today, joined, of course, by Abdullah Abdullah, who I believe is just about adjusting back to life in Dubai.
0: Yeah, just about getting back. It's been a week uh, since I got back. I am still getting over the London Blues... Pun intended, in the, in this case, uh, but uh, no, it's been it was good, it was a great trip, and I'm 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 sad to be back, but also happy to be back, and uh, here we are, still feeling a little bit of the tiredness, but we move. And of course,
2: for reasons that are about to become very clear, I believe there was only one guest we could have had on the podcast today, Mia Ericsson. Hello, how are you?
3: Yeah, I'm good. I, I'm not in such uh, mixed emotions uh, as Abdullah, sad uh, and happy. You said, but I'm, I'm just, you know, like neutral or something. I just got back to work today after wh- four weeks off. So,
2: I think neutral. If you're going back to work after time off, is, is a pretty good, <laughs> pretty good
3: outcome to end up neutral. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty
0: sad going back to work. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I I have the we, This week, it's it's still like vacation or something i don't know yeah but it's yeah. okay <laughs> but
2: the reason we couldn't get anyone other than mia on today is cuz we are here to talk through new signing i've been practicing mia's been <laughs> helping me pronounce it johanna reeting carnerit yeah
3: that's great that's great very proud of you now thank
2: you thank you yep (laughs) Johanna Ritinkaner had signed for Chelsea um basically at the end of last week really so we are going to talk through that signing what we think that looks like how she's going to fit in with the club and also Chelsea are off to Portland next week to play in the International Champions Cup so we will also be doing a little mini preview of that but Let's start with J.R.K., as I'm going to call her, because firstly, I go by my initials, J.P.H., so I like that we've got a new, you know, triple initialed player at the club, but also then I don't have to carry on trying to say it in a Swedish accent. But yes, Kanneridge joins on a three-plus-one-year deal from BK Hecken. How was that one?
3: Also very good.
2: (laughs) We're getting nods. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, a very exciting signing, I think. A player who lots of people were intrigued about where she was going to go. I think we knew kind of around slash before the Euros that she was maybe going to move to the WSL, but there are a number of other clubs linked to her. Um, Just some quotes from Emma Hayes after her move. We've been watching Johanna develop over the last 12 to 18 months, and she has had an unbelievable season last year in Sweden. She's extremely quick, direct, a great age, and she's the profile player we've been looking for. Win, win, win. They were my quotes, not Emma's. Uh, Johanna will bring another dynamic to the team, and we are really looking forward to her career with us at Chelsea. Abdullah, what was your initial reaction to, to the signing?
0: Um, first I was surprised, then I was thinking, then I thought about it a little bit longer, and I was like, you know what? I actually kind of like the signing more from a perspective of the fact that is now Chelsea finally going in and getting a depth signing? I mean, she could very well start on that right wing, which is not the problem. But like the fact that there is now quality depth behind Fran, Sam, and Panilla, and, and Guru, you know, if you, if you want to add her in there, that now Chelsea can almost safely rotate the front three or the front four, depending on what formation you're playing, and you have an equal, if not just a slightly less quality player. Uh, in backup to to the front three, so I, and I think that in itself is is an exciting thing. So yeah, I, I'm happy to see the squad kind of beef up, and especially with the you know getting another crack at the Champions League, I think depth as last season proved for most of the, for a lot of the teams is supremely important, and, and the and I think the signings that we're getting this season are proving that.
2: Mia, what did you make of it?
3: Yeah, I mean she she is. Uh the Dama Allsvenskans absolute best player and most uh, influential player this season. Um, the thing is about Johanna is that she, she has been... She was very talented as, uh, as a youth player and she was uh, signed by Tyre uh, who actually played in the Champions League final in the, back in 2014. And, and then she ended up uh, tearing her ACL. So... She, she kind of had a couple of years that, that she had to struggle to get back obviously. But then she played for Djurgårdens EF in Stockholm uh, before joining FC Rosengård where she played for Jonas Edeval. Uh, but she left. And I I think it's it's no like rocket science on why she didn't sign for Arsenal. Um, but like Arsenal has been getting rid of Nikita Paris. So that would have kind of like, be the perfect fit for a play like Johanna Rutt and Conrad. So yeah, I actually hoped it wasn't Chelsea. Um, can, can explain that more if you want to hear. Um, but then of course, I we it, might get into that later. Yeah, exactly. And um, but, but she's a good player, but but she's nowhere near any player in profile that that Chelsea has on the pitch uh, today. So, yeah, i'm I'm excited. I'm surprised. I'm confused. That's,
2: yeah. yeah, I think that that difference in profile is is kind of what's surprised and confused me as well. I kind of did like a jokey tweet saying that Emma Hayes said she won't go through the transfer window without signing a superfluous attacker. Um, and actually, I think, you know, putting together the script today for this episode and and really taking kind of stock of our squad, I, d- I think that's a bit excessive of me to say she's superfluous. I can kind of see where she fits in, but I've got to admit my initial reaction was kind of a surprise, uh, more for her. And, and Mia, you've kind of touched on this, but, you know, part of the reason she left Rosengard, right, was about game time and things like, that so when you've seen a player already do that in a career it then seems funny to move to a club where wow like if there's one club in the world where you're not guaranteed game time it is practically chelsea but you know um there were some tweets from at bella cfc talking about you know kind of canada's profile and and mentioning how we struggled with the low blocks in the past and how you know, to have that kind of player who really excels at dribbling. We're gonna talk a bit more about her profile as we go through the episode, but you know, to be able to make an impact maybe off the bench a bit more with tired legs. I definitely think that's that's true, but I kinda of thought that was what Lauren James was gonna do last summer. So obviously there were injuries there which which impacted James's game time, but I think that's like something which maybe we can touch on later on. That's quite an interesting interesting thing to to figure out there but um we're gonna take a quick ad break and then when we come back we will talk in a bit more depth about canard
1: all right our next partner has a product that i use literally every day i started taking ag one because well it's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in you know we're all focused on our macros with protein carbs and And fat, and now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more a durable resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it. It's easy, it's fast, it's quick. I uh, throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it it, it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but Hey, don't listen to me. Athletic greens has over 7,000, five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and it's trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say, give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance
2: just a couple of housekeeping notices post-ad break. Uh, Premier League is obviously back. The guys are covering Chelsea men absolutely non-stop. A very intriguing season, I think, on, on that side of the fence, as it will be will be over here. Um, but yeah, fascinating to kind of see how how that plays out um, with the uh, Bowley's Blues. Academy episodes are also back this week, and of course we are going to be taking you all the way through Chelsea's pre-season until everything gets going in the WSL at the start of September. But... Looking in a bit more detail at Canerad now, me you kind of touched on that this is a player who had been linked to a number of WSL clubs, especially those Arsenal links were coming in strong, right? Like, I feel like I almost didn't pay much attention to her at the Euros because I was like, she's going to Arsenal. <laughs> um, so were you surprised to see her turn up at Chelsea? No,
3: no I'm not surprised because I, I would have been surprised in a way, if she had signed for Arsenal, because like I said before, she left uh, FC Rosengård where, where Jonas Eideval was the head coach back then. Um, and it seems like the players that have been playing for him uh, either really wants to go to Arsenal or they don't. Uh, nothing in between. Um, but... Uh, it's, it's the same with the player linked with uh, Chelsea and Arsenal right now, Jelena Sankovic, also in FC Rosengård. It's going to be very interesting to see where she's uh, where she ends up, if she goes anywhere. But, I mean, Johanna is like the, the fact is that last season she played with uh, Stina Blackstenius and then she was more of a winger for BK Häcken. Uh, she, she and Stina Blackstenius were very interesting to watch and they were funny to watch. This season, Johanna rytten is like, if you watch the average passing network for BK hecken she is the highest player on the pitch and very central. And then you can see that on her like heat maps and, and stuff, she, she is very free when she plays for BK Häcken. Obviously, they are losing their most important player as we speak. So, of course, she's an interesting player, and you mentioned it, the low blocks, but I don't feel like, for me, watching the players Chelsea have already, you can break down low blocks with the players they have. It's just about the playing style. So this leads me to my next question in my head. Uh, Is Emma Hayes finally going to change... The playing style from transitional football to more possession-based, I don't know. Uh, because when you have Frank Kirby and Penilla Harder, you should be able to play uh, and break down low blocks. So I'm not, I'm not, yeah. Uh, I can't see things straight at the moment, but maybe we will after the preseason tournament. Who knows? But she's a great player. But will she be the player Chelsea needs, uh, because she isn't the profile they have? Or is it going to be another Swede, do I dare to say it, that will sit on the bench for their club ahead of (laughs) the next international tournament? I don't want to see that, but that's my fear.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, change between maybe a transitional and a possessional style of football would be really interesting. I've always had a bit of a question mark over whether Emma Hayes has the ability to change the style at the club like that. I don't mean that necessarily in a negative way. Like managers have their styles right that they, they prefer and I understand that but I definitely think within the way women's football especially at, at the Champions League level has developed over the past couple of seasons success there equates a lot of the time to that more possessional style of play and, and maybe you're right Mia this is this is more evidence of that but you know Abdullah Kanarid went into the Euros really quite hyped as someone who could have a, a big breakup m- breakout moment at that tournament I don't know if that entirely happened for her <laughs> Mia shakes her head <laughs> I'm being polite but what what did you kind of make make of her within that Sweden team
0: you know, kind of kind of like you, when, when I was watching Sweden games and just generally Sweden overall, she, she wasn't one of the players that I was looking at going, right, oh, I need to focus on this player and, and, and you know, and totally be, um, you know, totally be keeping an eye on her. But I think when she did play against Portugal, I think there was glimpses of her ability, you know, her, her ability to take on players, her ability to kind of cut inside or go on the outside. And I think that unpredictability was something that really stood out for me um, when it came to watching... Uh, uh, when it came to watching her um it's interesting um you know when you, when you guys bring up the fact of you know is this is this going to be maybe a time for you know Chelsea to to switch from maybe a counterattacking style to more of a possession based um the the thing is you know we talk about the Champions League being um very much the, the winners have been very possession dominant sides and obviously in the men's Champions league we've seen counter-attacking sides go all the way and win it it has happened in the past and maybe you know there is a there is an argument to make that maybe Canada has come in to to kind of maybe emphasize that sort of counter-attacking style because if you look at the way that she does play and the glimpses that we have seen the Euros and 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 and, and for for Haken it's she's so unpredictable Uh, in the wide areas that I don't think there's any Chelsea player that is unpredictable because she can go inside or come outside as comfortably and as naturally as, as anybody else. You don't know, and the fullbacks are not going to know where she's going to go in and that, and that sort of link up play and the counter and everything could be an option. But on the other side, like you said, it could also be that she she fits that possession based style, but yeah, I, I don't think we saw the best of her in, in, in the Euros. So, and I think there's a lot more to come from, from her. It'll just be interesting to see how she's paired up, you know, whether, you know, whether this means that now the the right wing back, Perisset, who played a little bit more of a withdrawn role for France at fullback, does she now get licensed to push forward? Because if Canada is going to come inside, someone's need to keep the width. Whereas, you know, for France, we saw Perisset kind of dropping back a little bit and go right and nobody the one pushing up. So I'm interested to see that dynamic of how she's used, whether she's used on the right, maybe as a 10 if it goes to a four two three one, or even maybe on the left sometimes. So I think that unpredictability almost is going to be a strength that Chelsea, when you bring on Canada, you can kind of deploy her across the three positions and be like, well, we people are going to say, well, we don't know what we're going to get in terms of, you know, is she going to go on the left, right? How is she going to play? And there's a lot more possibilities to link up with other players and this, you know, with her. So I'm kind of excited for that.
2: I definitely think, you know, we've kind of covered these signings, obviously, individually because that's how they've been announced but when you start looking at that full picture like Abdullah just touched on like thinking about Paris a, it is is definitely going to be interesting i think i think leading into the season but abdullah's talked to us a little bit uh, mia about you know what what jrk is going to bring but you know you're the damask venskan expert here you literally wrote an analysis piece about Kanarid just a couple of weeks ago what are Chelsea getting with a player like her?
3: Yeah, I do think, like Abdullah just said, that I, I actually call her, like, uh, she's organised chaos. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> I mean, when she was subbed in, in the game that Sweden played ahead of the Euros against Brazil, her first touch ended up in a goal. So she's like very unpredictable, uh, and that can be good, very good, when it works out for her. But when it doesn't work out, she she can end up struggling a little bit. So I'm yeah, I'm also intrigued to see, like how how this is gonna play out. But I, I when I did that scout report on her, I actually, it it's very obvious that Chelsea has. Uh, no player like her. I mean we, we've we've seen these kind of players in Manchester City like Chloe Kelly and Haley Rasso. they are like very similar to her. And then the playing style wise, she is Arsenal, you know. So it's it's like, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see because this, this also makes me think, that we are going to see that that Johanna is signing for Chelsea that Emma Hayes has been scouting the last year because in fact there are play, players that uh, are going to leave Chelsea next summer so and we also know t- two things about Emma Hayes that that's one when she signs new players if they aren't Sam Kerr or Penilla Harder you don't get the first the first time you play with Chelsea but we also know about Emma Hayes that she tends to bench players that will leave next season so it's it's it, yeah I mean, I mean it's exciting in in that way because there are a lot of players that that if they don't extend they will leave next summer so but also the fact that Chelsea has actually paid like 1 million Swedish crowns for for Johanna so and then there's another perspective to this that is like if uh, sometimes I, I do believe that the team signs players because they don't want any other team to have them because that, that will make the team better. And so it's it's a lot of interesting things to, to talk about here. But, but I mean, Johanna is, she can be so, so good and funny to watch uh, when she plays football. And I do think that I do understand that why she chose Chelsea.' Um, it's, it's obvious, like. but like I said,'m we've seen it before with Philippa Angeldahl, who did a very good Olympic tournament. She was Sweden's best player, and then she also got bought from Man- Manche- uh, by Man- Manchester City from Häcken, also around that amount of money. and how many minutes in the league has she played? And then we enter euro as one of the favorites and then actually we have to be realistic watching uh, the swedish lineup uh, where not many players um are playing regularly for their clubs they're not leading players in their clubs and johanna written is the leading player in Bekoheken at the, at the moment or she was um so yeah i'm i mean you must be have think, been thinking the same. Okay, who is she going to replace in that front line? Because her agent said to Expressen the other day in Sweden that who doesn't want to play offensive football with Sam Kerr, Penilla Harder, and Frank Kirby? And then I was like, okay, but <laughs> she has to...
2: Well, it won't be countered if all three of them
3: are playing. <laughs> yeah, because this is what we think. So Emma Hayes might have something up her sleeve. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I think. I think there are a couple of things that that maybe go in her favour. I think one, as opposed to maybe other clubs in the WSL, Chelsea have loved Scandinavian players for a very long time, and I think Emma Hayes genuinely has a lot of faith in both kind of the Norwegian and Swedish leagues in terms of preparing players for the WSL, maybe more so than than in other leagues. You know, when we're looking at like kind of Periset coming in as, as the first French signing Chelsea like women have made, that's a great example of a league where you would think it might be really like high up in terms of signing from but Chelsea have kind of always looked away from it where they where they've always seen I think value within Scandinavia and I think that's due to the the level across the league as opposed to you know the the two kind of standout clubs you get say in France and I guess the other thing which Abdullah I'll, I'll kind of come to you on is that Chelsea's right-sided attacking player who is amazing and has just had an incredible Euros where she started every game, didn't play for the club from January to May. So is this just simply a case of Chelsea and Hayes feeling like we can't expect Fran Kirby to pick up the level of minutes, pick up the kind of responsibility that comes across the season. We need a truly reliable, talented player who can, Rotate with her is is that where you think Cannered fits at the club?
0: I think that's part of the reason, yeah, for sure. Because if you look at the last couple of seasons, um, Fran has had two very very long term and dangerous injuries, you know, if we can call it that, uh, in the last couple of seasons where she's had to miss big portions. And I think if you if it happens only for one season and it didn't happen last season, I don't possibly think that Cannered might not have been I mean she might have still been signed, but maybe not for the same reason, maybe just more for, for depth. But I think in this case there's a part reasoning is that yes, you know, given that Kirby's fitness isn't exactly guaranteed and as she works her way back and obviously she's proven when, you know, by, by starting every game of the Euros and and and, and not even just just biding by, but being one of the best players on that team in the tournament, um, kind of prove that she's still, you know, the world class player that everybody knows that she is. And I but I think Chelsea are just safeguarding themselves. They're giving themselves an insurance policy. I think this season, more than any other season, is going to be super important, especially going to the Champions League and kind of keeping pace in the WSL because they know that City have strengthened. Arsenal are going to be back. Um, You know, United made a few few decent signings. Everton are not going to be as bad as they were last season. So I think they're expecting a tougher fight from everybody else and and, and the teams that didn't do as well because you can't expect City to do what they did again last season. There's no way that's happening, right? So to keep that death because with well you know we when people can dream um you know with Kerr at least you know you've got Beth England good player can start in place of Sam Kerr and you, you know what you're gonna get you know Lauren James at least she's I mean she she didn't play much last season but it's that settling in period but at least she knows the WSL has played has the talent we've seen it um and now you know you needed someone in this um, in this right-sided position, um, because mainly because I think Jessie Fleming is a much better central player than she is a wide player, though she can play in both positions. I just I prefer Jessie Jessie Fleming in the middle um so i think there just there wasn't a natural backup if i can call her a backup just for the sake of for the argument right now to kirby and there was no natural replacement on that right hand side unless you move neve charles back into her into her into a right-sided role but then again neve is very much a wide player that that wants to stay wide and doesn't really come in much uh as much as kirby does in terms of and being natural so yeah, I think all round, it makes sense from a depth perspective, it makes sense from a fitness perspective, and it also makes sense from, from a competition perspective, because if you're going to be playing in three, four different competitions, you have a group stage now in the Champions League, you're going to need top quality players to come in and fill in and do a role that, that the first team starter was doing as well, so... I think all round, if you if I really start thinking about it more, while it was an odd transfer in the beginning, I just think it makes sense from the, for those reasons.
2: That's definitely the conclusion I kind of have come to. Uh, just in terms of, you know, I was putting together like a squad depth chart and I was like, oh, wow, when you actually start to line everyone up, there just becomes very obvious kind of first choices and second choices. And, and there will be players that, that maybe are closer and, and there's bigger gaps. But yeah, like kind of looking across the front three, you would assume first choice goes... Kerr, Kirby, and then the second choice is there go James, England, Karnarid, and that kind of broadly makes sense. And and yeah, I think also the, the game time is an interesting thing. I think maybe we as a, as a fan base, or at least I, have become a bit conditioned to the fact that we went out of the Champions League at the group stage, so we didn't have extra games from January to June this year, this season, I'm hoping we might get some extra games and therefore you will need a bigger squad. You know, you won't just get to take a tilt at the WSL with your first choice 11 because they're kind of only playing once a week or so. So I do think that stuff, maybe becomes more important in a way that we didn't really need to see it. And and kind of thank God, because our squad squad was quite threadbare, like, at points last season. Um, So, but there was also, Mia, like, a kind of interesting suggestion. I'd be intrigued to see what you think about this. That kind of came in from Tim Stillman. Uh, To me, not to the podcast. I don't think Tim Stillman (laughs) listens to London is blue, unfortunately. But maybe he does. If you are listening, hey, Tim. Uh, But suggesting that maybe Connor would be... Or could be used as a wing back. Obviously, we've seen kind of Guru Wrighton as this converted winger to left wing back. Is that something you could could see happening?
3: Yes, I mean she she's played wing back for Sweden. Um, that's obviously what Petri Arajon he sees her like that, either a right winger or uh, a right wing back. Uh, and actually, I I can't remember what game it was in the Euros now uh, that she. She was subbed in to play right wing back, I think. But in that game, I really thought she she did a great job uh, defensively, uh, together with um yeah the the I, I think it was Amanda Ilsted that played the the right centre back. So obviously she can do that. But but then then also you have if if MIs tend to keep with the back three, uh, it's like also. If you have Guro Reiten as a left uh, hand side wing back and then you have Johanna Ritten-Kaneryd on the right, you have two very offensive players and that makes me worried about the midfield we've been talking about before. So let's hope there's a gap to fill in the midfield with an actual signing as well Um, because it's... I can really see nice attacking football with Guro and and um, Johanna Rutten conry as wing backs, but that that would be a very offensive and brave going forward option. And I'm not sure I would want to see that versus like Lena Oberdorf or some team like that. You know, maybe we
2: save <laughs> that. Gonna... For, you know, yeah, the the Brightons of the world. <laughs> um. <laughs>
3: Yeah, exactly. So, but of course, she she can play as a wing back, and it's op- pretty obvious that Petter Larsson, uh, the Swedish head coach, that that's how he sees her. But she hasn't played uh, that position in Beko Hekken. Right. So
2: I think that ties into also what we've seen with loads of these signings, right? Like everyone, Hayes and Chelsea buys at least this summer, but this has been true in the past as well. Is they can do a lot. You know, they're they're looking to buy kind of profiles of player who can fit into different systems rather than just someone who's going to be like, I can only play specifically here. And I think that makes, you know, a lot of sense in terms of kind of flexibility and things like that, but makes it quite confusing when you're trying to figure out who will be starting when West Ham visits Stamford Bridge on the opening weekend. Uh But Abdullah, Mia kind of touched on this earlier, Panilla Harder, Frank Kirby, Sam Kerr, they're all in their late 20s um you know I think Chelsea probably have or at least at the WSL kind of the oldest attacking front three I'm not putting any of these in the retirement home just yet they're all quality players still but it's something you've got to bear in mind is this season for Connery just about kind of settling in with a with an eye on the future you know obviously she's got a three plus one year deal so she could be around for a while
0: yeah, I mean, if we're putting them, if we're even talking about them near the retirement home, then I should already be in there because I'm older than all three of them. <laughs> you know, if we're talking about That's that. why you don't play up front um, for Chelsea
2: anymore, Abdullah.
0: <laughs> that's exactly the point. I, my day, my prime days are past. It's all good. Uh, no, no, no I, I, I agree. No, I think I think uh, this is the pattern of, of, of Emma Hayes that players that are not exactly... You know, at the at the top 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 level, like her, uh, harder and and Kirby. You know, you're not going to come into the first team and just play every game week in week out because you know there is that settling in period, and I think that comes from the character and where they've come from. And I think with Kanarid, I think that's going to be there. I think though, I do think that she will get some amounts of minutes because I think she, I think I do think she will be needed and required for rotation purposes at, at some point. But I don't think it's going to be a case of. Um, I know Lauren James was partly injured as well when she came in, but I don't think it's going to be a case of like a Lauren James or or a Guru in, in that first season where she came in, hardly played, and then the next season she came in. I think Canard is coming in with that three plus one. Yes, you're going to develop and, and break into the team, but at the same time, I think she's going to come in with a view of actually playing a, a certain number of games and a decent amount of games to get those minutes under her belt unless, again, there's an injury. So for me, I think... Let her come in, learn from Kirby, learn from Harder, you know learn from them, see how it is in training and then just when she gets those minutes in you know those because it's going to be 20 25 minute cameos in the beginning once she gets those and starts impressing then and gets used if she can if she can develop in those 20 25 minutes and show she can settle in, I don't think it'll be long before um, you know we, we start seeing her start games and and, and kind of go from there.
2: Mia, I just want you to put your Swedish hat on rather than your Chelsea one for a second, because I think it's important to talk about, you know, this stuff and how players' kind of club careers interact with their international careers. Because I think you know, caring about a club also involves wanting to see players thrive in in every environment they want to thrive in. But you know, is it a concern? How are you feeling when you see players kind of making this move, but they don't have the guaranteed minutes, especially when Kanarid really feels like she's been breaking into what's quite a stacked Sweden attack, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, the thing is with the Swedish head coach Petter when when you talk to him about this, he always says, he has said, uh, at least, uh, that he'd rather see his players in Lyon, just in training, rather than playing in a low-league league team uh, even if they get game minutes because he his philosophy is that if you train with the best you become better even though you don't get regular game time if that makes any sense because and and i do think that up till now uh, that might have worked but i do think that what we saw in the swedish team this euros that it's not true anymore because the level has gone up in the women's game as well. Uh, so it's not enough to just train with the best. You have to play uh, also. And I, like I said before, I think Filippa Dahl is the perfect example for this. Um, and then you have player, players like... Because she's one of the younger players in Sweden. Uh, it's like if you see Kosovar Aslani... Uh, who is obviously was our best player uh, in the Euros, uh, one of the best players in the tournament. Actually, um, she's she's experienced, even though she hasn't played um, regularly for Real Madrid because of, because of injuries. She's experienced enough to go in and and deliver uh, in a tournament. So I do think that the Swedish players. They they have to think about this when choosing clubs as well. Uh, it's been it's been many international tournaments now in a in a short period of time. We had the Olympics uh, and and the World Cup back in 2019. Um, so I I'm not sure I would be as a Swedish fan. I would not be satisfied. Um, to see Johanna Rutten Kanrid sit on the bench in Chelsea just playing Continental Cup group games. There is no Continental um, Cup
2: Group anymore because we play I- in Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> that's something at least.
3: Yeah. Uh, that, that's something at least. Um, yes. But but you know what I mean. It's that, that level. Uh, I, I want them because Sweden is a good national team. And Johanna Rittenkanrid is a great player. But there are many great players in a teams like in a team like Chelsea uh, and the players are experienced and if I do feel that you you don't put a completely new player in a situation where where things matters uh, the most if you have a front line uh, of Frank Kirby, Sam Kerr, and Penelope Harder. Uh, so if if I put it that way, that's my my Swedish fear
2: yeah I th- I think that's understandable and you know, I guess it will be interesting as well looking at a player like Angle Doll too, because, you know, she's a player I love to watch. I think she's so, so talented and it has amazed me how little game time she's played at Man City. But also, you know, hopefully I think this season with the clear out there she'll she'll get more game time and I guess that's that's something that's always gonna be tricky for players, right? When they they're making those transitions, sometimes you do lose you do lose time if you can't quite find the right place to land. Um, but look, our first potential opportunity to see Conrad should be, I believe, I'm not entirely sure what everyone's schedule is looking like, at the women's ICC, the world's most annoying tournament because you can't Google it because the internet thinks it's a cricket tournament, understandably. Anyway, it once you get through the massive cricket tournaments, you could be Googling. Chelsea will be facing Lyon or as it is officially known, the Abdullah Abdullah Derby. And then either Portland Thorns or Monterey <laughs> next week. Um, so, yeah, Monterey, if anyone doesn't know, because uh, I I can't say I follow a lot of Mexican football, they are the, the first team from Mexico to compl- compete in the Women's International Champions Cup, having qualified as the Torneo Grita Mexico Apertura 2021 champions. I respect the ICC for making this sound like they really wanted them because it was supposed to be Barcelona. Um, but I think this is going to be really exciting because uh, if anyone's not keeping an eye on Mexican League football, like it is, it does seem like a really genuinely exciting place to be right now. So it will be cool to see, um, I think, a totally different flavour of football. But, Mia, pre-season tournaments, more a bit of fun, I think, than anything serious. But are you looking forward to this
0: one?
3: Yeah, for sure being up in the middle of the night to watch games (laughs) in the USA, of course, (laughs) (laughs) preseason games, fingers fingers crossed for no injuries. And um, also, I I can tell you that Johanna will be moving to London this Wednesday. Um, so she and because she told Swedish media today that and that so uh, hopefully she will join the team in, in the USA. But yeah, I mean, pre-season tournaments, it's it's like, I think it's fun in a way now because you get to see some idea of how the team is going to play rather than their performance. Uh, I mean, I'm excited. To, again, I'm excited to see the formation. Will we see a back three? Will we see both a back three and a back four with, with these players we have? Because it's like, I mean, I did a really in-depth scout report on, on uh, Magda, her role last season and, and kind of realized that yeah when she's, she was actually a very important player for the way Emma Hayes wanted to play uh, because when she was away you could see the switch to the back four and all of a sudden Jonna played her role and, and so it's, I mean, it's more those things I'm kind of interesting to see how will Emma Hayes play ball this season and what are we going <laughs> to what are we going to see also i don't want chelsea to get smashed by leon but yeah I don't, I
0: don't think that's going to happen don't worry i don't think that's going to happen <laughs>
2: yeah i was i was going to say leon obviously holds of the champions league but um my twitter sources Twitter sources, just Twitter, um, told me they lost 3-0 to Savet. So, the yes. Chelsea have a decent shot here? Are we going to be going in at least morally claiming we won the Champions League at the start of this season?
0: <laughs> well, you know, it really does depend because most of the squad isn't actually there. They're, they they played with a bunch of players that... Uh, a lot of youth players and then the players that just didn't get picked for the international sides. I mean, uh... Lindsay Horan came back like two days ago. Uh Daniela Vanderdonk and Demaris came back to training today. So I think they will get a slightly stronger team once they get into the into the US, but I don't think everybody's gonna come back. I think most of the French players haven't come back. Like, Ada just came back. Well, obviously she went out early with the uh, with the Norwegian team. So I think we will get a, a half strength uh, Leon side, but not a full strength. So I think in that sense then yeah, I think Chelsea will have a have a decent shot because I don't think any of the defenders are gonna be there. Wendy Renard, Regent Bok, uh, or Salma Basha, I don't think I either of them are gonna be there. So at the moment the only real senior um you know, senior defender you're gonna find is probably Janice Kamen and um and uh and Pearl Moroni at left back. And the rest of it is just gonna be like youth players here and there. So I think for for Leon it's more about just getting a team together, getting the ones that are out there, getting them a good preseason, uh, you know, against decent opposition and getting the younger players that are probably gonna play a little bit more, uh a little bit more game time. And then, but I think for Chelsea, I think it's a it's a good chance to test at least whatever side that goes to uh, test themselves against, you know, Amadine Henri, Lindsay Haran, Arda Hegelberg, and see how they come up against even a pre season version of them.
2: Yeah, I think I'm I think this is a good opportunity for Chelsea um I have like a couple of questions about going abroad I think you know we saw kind of maybe Chelsea men struggle from from having to go to America but I think we also saw when Chelsea came into that game against Arsenal at the start of WSL season last year they just weren't ready I also think it sounds silly but I think Lyon took a lot up from beating Barcelona in this version of the competition last year that sometimes it is good to play teams who, even though it is preseason, even though you know it's not the actual thing, it just reminds you that you can go toe-to-toe with them. But like Mia says, therefore you want to make sure you don't get smashed, because I think that equally, equally sits in your head. Um, so yeah, I think it's gonna be a really interesting tournament. Chelsea have also got a preseason fixture against Spurs at the end of August as well, which will maybe be a more kind of realistic. Assessment of of you know who's around I don't even know if the, the English Chelsea players are, are going to be available so I think even though I agree with Mia I'm intrigued to see how Chelsea set up if say Millie Bright and Frank Kirby isn't there it's hard to figure out what what that might mean but I I, I genuinely don't know when they're back I guess they it's still you know what 10 days away at this point so they, they could be back by that point but That is everything from us today. You can catch that first ICC game between Chelsea and Lille on Wednesday the 17th at 5.30 local time, or if you are crazy like me, it will be at... Thursday, the eighteenth, one thirty in the morning, English time. Uh, two thirty, I think, if you are Mia in Sweden, and four thirty if you are in Ab- Abdullah in Dubai. So,
3: yeah, <laughs> that's morning at least. That's not the, in the middle of the night, Abdullah. You can get up early. I have to. Well, get up in the middle. It's of the it's night. it's a, it's around
0: thirty minutes within my waking up time. Which is, so maybe I can catch it. I don't
3: know. You've got the
2: worst one, Mia, because I'm just like staying up late. Basically, but yeah, two thirty—that is full on. Everyone should be asleep at two thirty. Yeah, my book. That, that's REM <laughs> like sleep, one sleep time. One o'clock
0: is the limit. That, <laughs> that's REM yeah.
2: sleep time.
0: Yeah, one, one o'clock is fine. One <laughs> o'clock is fine. Anything beyond one, you're like, I should—I should technically be sleeping.
2: <laughs> but me and Abdullah, thank you so much uh for joining us today. We will be back
0: always
2: after the first ICC game against Leo. Um, I think. Hopefully with Abdullah. hopefully with Dan Dormer, who is going to be there in real life at a normal time for him. Uh, but until <laughs> then, you know what to do, Blues fans. Keep the blue flags
0: flying, Mike.